What a beautiful song of not only our salvation, the story of our salvation, but courage as we live the life of a believer in Jesus Christ. The movie Hacksaw Ridge was a movie that chronicled the courageous life and was a profile and courage of one Desmond Doss. He was a veteran of World War II. And to this day, he is still the only conscientious objector to ever win the Medal of Honor. Uh, he was a conscientious objector because of his religious upbringing, but yet he served during World War II as a corpsman, as one who would serve in the medical field there, uh, bandaging those that were, uh, were severely injured. And he won this, valor, or this Medal of Honor for valor, uh, amongst other things, because of on what was known as Hacksaw Ridge, as it was known to the troops at the time, it was what was known as an escarpment, not really a... A, a cliff per se, but about a 20-foot uh, sheer up-facing cliff-like uh, form in the, in the land there. He would crawl up and drag down wounded soldiers, 75 of them. And so he won the valor, the, the Medal of Honor for Valor as the only conscientious objector ever to do so. Now, when we think about courage, we can, man, we can wrap our minds around those stories. We get that. We say, man, that is a picture of courage. And undoubtedly, that is at the top of the heap for a picture of courage. And so we say to ourselves, well, you know, I can't really make that many courageous decisions in life. Courageous decisions are something like that that you make movies off of. And undoubtedly, you do. Those are extremes of courageous decisions. But we have opportunity each day of our life each week of our life, each month of our life, each year of our life to make courageous decisions for the Lord in each and every one of you. Each and every one of you have the absolute capacity to make courageous decisions in your life because as we've talked about earlier in this worship service as a whole, courage for the believer isn't something that we necessarily find internally in ourselves, some sort of uh, something that we chase within ourselves, but we find that courage rooted in the power of God. And so today we're going to turn to Numbers chapter 13 and 14, and we're going to look at, at big sections of both of these chapters here as we look at courage. Now the children of Israel here, to understand the timeline, have now been freed from the, from the nation of Egypt in slavery, and God has been leading them through the hand of Moses throughout the wilderness, and here they are standing on the precipice of the promised land, about to go in, Right? And so Moses sends out spies to go into the land, to check it out, see what it's about, see what challenges lie ahead, and see what the, what, what the report is when these come back. And it says here in verse 1 of chapter 13, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent from them the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all the men who are the heads of the people of Israel. So first of all, God has already said, I'm giving you this land. Unless they wonder about the power of God, they had already known in their history, their, their near history, that God had freed them from slavery in Egypt. Continuing on, jumping down to verse 17. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go, first of all, we are called to go, go up into the Negev and to go into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak, whether there are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or are they strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, whether the trees are in it or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. 
Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So he's not saying there, go and spy these out to see if the people are weak or strong or their cities are just simple encampments. Are they strongholds? Because we're going to make a decision whether we do it or not. God has said, I am giving you the land. I'm giving you the land. So they went and they looked at the land, but never in question in the mind of God were they to go in and were they to conquer it. Continuing on in verse 25. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of Israel at the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back the word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of the Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. We're going to come back to that verse towards the end of the sermon. But the opportunity was there. The opportunity was absolutely there. They said, look, the land flows with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. They brought back a cluster of grapes and showed them. This is a fruitful land. Yes, there are challenges that lie ahead. But look at the opportunity that's there. And so as we think about this, as we look at courage, and we look at this courage, we think about that. Courage is, is, is found in the fact that there are opportunities that lie ahead for you as individuals and what God calls us to do to be on mission for the gospel and for us as a church. Challenges undoubtedly lie ahead when God calls us to do something courageous. But will we trust in him? Will we take it? Will we trust in him and will we do what he calls us to do? Let's pray. Lord God, as we come to your word today, as we see this of one of the many stories of old, not legends at all, but truth. God, we call upon you to help us to see and, Lord, to, to strengthen our courage in the midst of looking at your faithfulness, remembering your faithfulness to your people throughout the ages. God, knowing that your power has not diminished. And, Lord, we are called to be willing servants of you in whatever you call us to do. God, we pray that in, in decisions that may seem seemingly small, uh, in, in obedience to your will and obedience to your gospel calling, Stack upon themselves to make larger decisions, to, make, to help us make more courageous decisions in trusting you, and that we together, as we do that as individuals, we come together as courageous people calling out to you for your will that it might be clear to us, and we call out for you for your power, and we call out for you to, you to help us to trust in you courageously. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So the very first thing that we're going to see as we kind of continue on here in verses 31 and 33 is that fear is contagious. Fear is contagious, right? Listen to this as we continue this narrative here. Then the men who had gone up with them said, we're not able to go against the people. Remember, Caleb had just said, hey, we can go do this. God has called us to this. Let's go do it. But then the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against these people. They are stronger than we. For they brought the people of Israel a bad report. These others that went with Caleb brought Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land uh, through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that, that we saw there are of great height. And then we saw the Nephilim, the sons of the Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. 
There were those that were strong and mighty people in this land. One of the many challenges that they saw, and yet unlike Caleb, they said, okay, that's, that's enough. The challenges are too great. The challenges are too great. Let's not do this. Fear is contagious. So again, there was, there was some obvious benefits to the land. If you remember back in verses 26 and 27, in fact, let's return there again. It said, then they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. There were great benefits. And they said it flows with milk and honey. Tremendous benefits to the land. There were tremendous opportunities there. So why is it when we think about in our context, human nature hasn't changed in the history of humanity, why do we fear then making courageous decisions? Whether it be something that may seem insignificant in our lives or may be something that takes real gospel courage of God laying out a step for you, for you to take at your place of work or school or whatever it might be, why do we not make the decision? Well, it's flat out fear, isn't it? We fear something going wrong. We can see the benefit. We can see that there is good in whatever God has called us to do. We can see that, that the, the vision of what lies ahead, but there's fear there. There's not just simple, pure old fear, but there's also fear of man, right? The Bible talks about the fear of man, Proverbs 29, 25. It says it's like a snare. What is fear of man? It will kind of boiling it down and sort of putting it in our common context. It's the idea that we are so afraid of what other people might think of us right? We're afraid of what other people might think of us. And to a certain degree, we don't really ever grow out of this. When we're teenagers, it might look like it take the form of peer pressure, what we kind of know as peer pressure. We're just wanting to blend in, so we make decisions, just kind of go with the flow, and hopefully it makes us popular or whatever else. As adults, the nuances kind of change a little bit, but there's the same fear of man that's there. We want to go along to get along, or we're afraid if we make a courageous decision here or there, we might fail, and what are, what are other people going to think of us? We, we say as we live on, on mission for the Lord and live out the gospel, if we're trying to make uh, inroads into lives of people and we're living missionally and we're living for the gospel and we ultimately share the gospel, what if it doesn't go well? What will people think of me? Will people think I'm a weirdo or I'm a holy roller or something like that? Folks, we've got to care more about people than we care about their opinion of us. You understand what I mean there? We've got to care more about them and their eternal destiny that we care about how much they, that what they think about us, right? We have to overcome the fear of, of, of saying, gosh, they might think something odd of me or weird of me. We have to overcome that with the fact of understanding they are created in the image of God, but they are separated from God, and they're in desperate need of a Savior. And then extrapolate that to whatever other courageous decision it may be. Fear, fear of man, and then ultimately a lack of faith, right? A lack of faith, knowing that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. He says very clearly what he'll do. He, he calls us to, 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 to live on mission for him. He calls us to many courageous decisions. When we pray, he says he answers prayer. All of these things, these promises of God, are we trusting him or are we not? Are we trusting him and we say, yeah, you know what? God knows what's best, and he calls me to do this, and I'm going to trust him, or am I going to trust the way I feel? I'm going to trust my experiences. I'm going to trust what other people think. Now, here's the thing. When we trust in the Lord, oftentimes we get impatient, don't we? We may think that God's not listening or God's not powerful because it hasn't resolved itself in the timely manner and in the smooth way we might think it's supposed to. Folks, listen to this. Do not mistake a lack of patience on your part for a lack of power on God's part, right? 
It doesn't mean that God lacks power because this issue hasn't been solved exactly in the timely manner you think it might. Oftentimes, we're just not patient. God is far more concerned about your consecration, your Christ-likeness, than he is about your comfort. You've heard me say that many times before. We would love it always to just sort of be comfortable, right? Uh, issues resolve itself. I take a courageous step for the Lord. It resolves itself perfectly in a timely manner. It's all nice and comfortable, right? But God knows we often grow in times where we need to rely upon him in patience, where there are times where it is uncomfortable, and we do need to trust him by faith and be patient. Be patient. But these others didn't, right? Caleb was faithful. Caleb had the courage, not based in his own character, but based upon the power of God. But there were others with him that gave him a bad report or gave a bad report to the leadership of Israel. They were obsessed with dangers, right? Isn't this oftentimes where the bad report we get focused not upon the opportunity that's there that God's calling us to, but all of the things that might seem like roadblocks, that might seem like roadblocks, even though God has said, you push through those, you're going in my power. They're obsessed with the dangers, They're obsessed with the feasibility of it as well. But think about that story of Peter. When God, or when Jesus was walking on the water and he calls Peter unto himself, as as Peter walked unto Jesus Christ and he kept his eyes focused upon Jesus, focused upon Jesus, he walked upon the water. But as soon as he looked at the circumstances around him, he began to sink. He began to fall in the water. We must not focus upon these obstacles and roadblocks whenever God calls us to do something as individuals or as a church that requires great courage. We must not be obsessed with the dangers, obsessed with the feasibility of it. We're smart, of course. We make smart decisions, undoubtedly. But we have to look past those roadblocks and keep our eyes upon the Lord. Has he called us to do this or is he not? Remember, there is no lack of God's power. What about this? Not only is fear contagious, but also forgetfulness is contagious. Forgetfulness is contagious. Look at this, starting in chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Big surprise, right? How many times have we heard that throughout the Old Testament? And of course, we don't cut them any slack, but they're humans just like we are. If we weren't looking and we weren't remembering the faithfulness of God, we would have probably been there right along with them, grumbling right alongside him. And the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would it not have been better that we would have died in the land of Egypt? Or would that we have died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Do you hear this? Sometimes because we've read these narratives before, that loses their sting. God has freed them from slavery in Egypt. God has led them miraculously as they were wandering throughout the desert. Yet they're saying, well, you know what? Gosh, maybe we should just go back to Egypt. Can you understand this? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and let us go back to Egypt. They'd forgotten. They'd forgotten God's faithfulness and his power. Forgetfulness is contagious. You know, we've all heard that saying, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? It means that we look at opportunities over here, over here, and it always seems better than what we have, what we're in the midst of. But guess what? Grass is often greener on the former side as well. You understand what I mean by that? We can say, oh, well, gosh, I had it better back then. Let me go back here. This is what we see here exactly from the children of Israel, that they're forgetting what God has led them out of. 
They're looking back on that time of Egypt and say, well, that wasn't that bad. They were enslaved. They were enslaved. You see, here's the thing. Oftentimes, we will risk death, or some will choose death, not risk it. They'll choose death over risk and change. Boy, you think about how this applies to us as a, as a congregation. Think about this. Is a comfortable death really better than change? Is a comfortable death really better than change? You see, when we're walking through some of the courageous decisions that we are as a church family, it can be easy. It happens all the time. And you just, any, anybody in church leadership will tell you this, that it happens all the time. Churches all over our country choose death rather than change. Now, let me tell you what, let me brag on you guys a little bit. Oftentimes when I'm having conversations with other pastor friends of mine or just others that attend other churches, I brag on you guys about how well we have handled change in this church. We've handled a great deal of change. And guess what? There's more change to be coming, as we know. This is just part of what it is. We understand that we are very much a classic church revitalization, meaning a church that's had a number of years of decline. And so when we think about decline, the, the amount of decline is also, uh, can, is also related to the amount of change that needs to happen. The more a church is declined, the more change needs to happen. The more a church declines, we're past the point of little tweaks here and there. And so I've bragged on you guys, and I mean it absolutely, that you as a church congregation have done a great job with change. We don't always get it right. There's some mistakes that we make, undoubtedly. But with change, you as a church congregation have done a great job and truly gives me hope, truly gives me hope that we will not be counted amongst the many churches across North America that chose a comfortable death rather than change. I truly believe that we are going to be ones that pull ourselves out of this, not in and of ourselves, but through the Lord and through his power. Is, it, is comfortable death, is a comfortable death really better than change? And I think we've chosen, no, we are going to in the power of the Lord change. See, here's the thing. We have to remember the power and the faithfulness of God. They didn't do that. The children of Israel didn't do that. They had forgotten how faithful God was to pull them out of slavery in Egypt and lead them, lead them, feed them with manna in the wilderness, uh, bring water from the rock. God had been faithful all the time, but they had forgotten. Forgetfulness is also contagious, but fortunately, thank goodness, Courage is also contagious. Courage is contagious. Look at this, and starting in verse 5 here of chapter 14. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes and they said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. Look at the opportunity, and God's called us to do this. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. And do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread to us. They are bread to us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Courage is contagious. Here's the thing. They're reminded... Joshua and Caleb remind the people here that God would see it through. God was faithful, and he would see it through if, first of all, they do not reject him. If they do not reject God, we see that in rebel. Folks, rejecting God is rebelling. Rejecting God is rebelling. If he's called you in your individual life, 
or we as a church to do something that takes courage, but we reject him, we are saying, God, I am not going to be obedient to you. I'm not going to be obedient to you. And understandably, there might be fear involved. It might really take some courage. But if we say, God, I'm not doing what you've called me to do, we are rejecting him and we're rebelling. So they say, do not rebel against God. Do not fear circumstance. We see here in the, in the section, people, the people. They were focused on the people of the land. They're focused on the people of the land. Do not fear. Do not reject God. Do not fear circumstance. Listen to this. Tacitus, the great Roman historian, had this great saying. The desire for safety stands against every great and noble enterprise. So again, he's a Roman historian looking at the history of Rome and in preceding history. The desire for safety stands against every great and noble enterprise. You see, whenever we make a courageous decision in our individual lives or as a church, we are stepping out out of a safe zone. We're stepping out of a safety zone because we are saying, I'm going to trust the Lord as I step out of my safety zone. I'm going to trust that there is a better future ahead. And guess what? As we do that, we grow in strength in Christ-likeness because we have now trusted more deeply upon the Lord. We haven't said, I'm going to figure it out on my own. said, I'm going to trust in the Lord. You see, those sort of God-led courageous decisions stack one upon another until they lead you to even greater decisions of courage, not only in your life and your calling as a missionary in your lives, but as us collectively as a church. And guess what? He says not only will God will see them through, but he reminds them those people will be bred to us. They will be consumed by us. The problem will be consumed, not because of our own power, but because of the power of God. And here's what I want to do, too. I want to touch back in chapter 30, 13, excuse me, verse 30. Chapter 13, verse 30. Take a look at that again. I think it fits so well under what we see here as this narrative comes to, 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 to its middle point here in chapter 14. But chapter 13, verse 30, again, Caleb says this. He quieted the people before Moses and he said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are able to overcome it. For we are able to overcome it. There's a threefold challenge that we see here that I think applies to courageous decisions in our life courageous decisions as a church let us go up at once that's god's timing let us go up at once this is god's timing it means to without hesitation without delay without sort of milling it around and saying okay gosh i've looked at every single angle of possibility here and you know if if god doesn't come through then it won't be that bad no that's not it that's not it at all let us go up at once in god's timing also he says and occupy it that's god's promise He's not kind of coming up with something on his own and kind of coming up with his own plan, pulling it out of thin air. God said, you will occupy it. I'm giving you the land. This is God's promise. And it says, and we are able to overcome it in, of course, God's power. He knows that the source wasn't their own power. We're able to overcome it. It's God's power, his timing, his promise, his power for the courageous decisions of life. Now, here's the thing. I'd love to say that this just turned out perfectly in the immediate uh, sense here, but we know that the people still rejected the leadership. The people still, until they turned ultimately, they still rejected the leadership there in, 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 in 10 and verses uh, 20 through 25 and following. Unfortunately, in the short term, it was the same old story. It was the same old story, but luckily we see 
the courage and the plan of the Lord prevail. Courage, courage, not just in the large things, courage in the small things. Give us the courage for those large decisions. I love this here as we sort of land the plane of this sermon. Listen to this quote by Chuck Swindoll, great uh, writer of our faith. Chuck Swindoll says this, Courage is not limited to the battlefield or the Indianapolis 500 or bravely catching a thief in your house. The real tests of courage are much quieter. They're the inner tests, like remaining faithful when no one's looking, right? It's uh, when, we don't, when we don't have someone looking at us, is it a real test of our integrity? When we're at work, we could cut the corner because no one's looking, but are we going to do it anyway? Are we going to make that courageous decision? Remaining faithful when nobody's looking, like enduring pain when the room is empty. Some of you are dealing with some tremendous physical difficulties, challenges. Some of you, as you get later in life, it just seems like it's one ailment after another, and it takes courage to just faithfully go throughout your day. That's courageous. Like standing alone, and he says, like standing alone when you're misunderstood. Courage is not limited to the battlefield or the Indianapolis 500 or bravely catching a thief in your house. The real tests of courage are much quieter. They're the inner tests, like remaining faithful when nobody's looking, like enduring pain when the room is empty, like standing alone when you're misunderstood. Will we live with courage for the Lord? Folks, here's the thing. Courage, like anything else, is something that we can learn. We can learn courage. We begin with making those small decisions of courageously obeying God. Make the small decisions. Trusting him and saying, okay, I, I, I understand the challenge here. Lord, I'm going to give it to you. Start with those small decisions of obeying God. They will pay off. They will pay off in those larger decisions of courage in your life. And guess what? In the life of our church. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come now and as we... Uh, leave this place here in a few moments. God, I pray that we would take this passage, we would take the truth of your word, and would it challenge us to live courageously for you? Would it challenge us to make decisions that may seem fearful, but Lord, we know that we're not out there on our own. We know that you have called us to these things, and Lord, that you'll see it through. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.